from the Gospel of Mark. And while Jesus was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at table, a woman came with an alabaster flask of ointment of pure nard, very costly. And she broke the flask and poured it over his head. But there were some who said to themselves indignantly, Why was the ointment thus wasted? For this ointment might have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they reproached her. But Jesus said, Leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. For you will always have the poor with you, and whenever you will, you can do good to them. But you will not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for burying. And truly I say to you, wherever the gospel is preached in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In the passage we have just read from the Gospel of Mark, Jesus is facing arrest and crucifixion. During a meal he shares with his closest followers, an unnamed woman comes forward and anoints his head with expensive ointment that is contained in an alabaster jar. His disciples immediately criticized the woman for the lavish expense of the ointment, pointing out how much better it would have been to give the money to the poor. Yet Jesus defends her action as a beautiful thing. When I was first learning to preach over 30 years ago, I remember hearing that at the height of World War II, a minister had preached on this passage in a nationally broadcast radio address. The person who told me this said that the point of the sermon was that at the heart of every religion lies beauty. I never heard a recording of the sermon. I never saw a manuscript of it. I have no idea who preached it or where. But the point of the sermon has never left me at the heart of every religion lies beauty. I want to develop that point in this sermon today. Let us pray. For the beauty of the earth, for the glory of the skies, for the love from which our birth over and around us lies. Lord of all, to Thee we raise this our worship of grateful praise. In the name of Jesus Christ, Amen. One of the places that we experience beauty in and out of our religious faith is our closest human relationships. In our Bible, there is a section in the middle called the Apocrypha. It is accepted as part of the canon of Scripture by the Roman Catholic and Orthodox communions, 
but it's listed as supplementary or apocryphal in Protestant Bibles. But there is a verse from a book called Ecclesiasticus, not Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiasticus, that bears witness to the beauty that most of us seek or find in our closest and most intimate relationships. Writes Vincira, the author of Ecclesiasticus. I take pleasure in three things, and they are beautiful in the sight of God and of mortals. Agreement among brothers and sisters. Friendship among neighbors. And a wife and a husband who live in harmony. What Ben Sirah proclaims as beautiful can be found within our families of origin, agreement among brothers and sisters. It can be found in the communities in which we live and work and study and play and worship. Friendship among neighbors. And such beauty can be found in the families we create. A wife and husband who live in harmony. All these, all these, says Bensira, are beautiful in the sight of God and of mortals. Two weeks ago, my wife's middle child, Daniel, aged 28, came to visit us from Iowa with his serious girlfriend, Jacinda. Early in the visit, they made their way into our basement where we have Rubbermaid tub after Rubbermaid tub after Rubbermaid tub of family memorabilia. Daniel pretty soon found the tubs which have his name on them. And he scavenged and searched through the old bowling trophies, the report cards, the school papers, the prom pictures, and literally hundreds of of pictures from his childhood. He put everything neatly back for safekeeping, for which I was grateful to him. And he brought out to take with him a few photographs that he could slip into his backpack on the way back to Iowa. One photograph that he uncovered was stunning. He had never seen it before, and Maggie had not remembered it. It was a picture of her holding Daniel as an infant. The shadows are such in the photograph that all you can see is a part of his baby head, her dark eyes peering through the shadows for her face is half covered, and her lips kissing the crown of his head. Daniel put that photo up on Facebook within minutes of his founding and with, of his finding it. And within 24 hours of his trip back to Iowa, he had it framed on his wall and photographed to distribute on Facebook to the whole world. Daniel has not yet claimed for himself the family mantle of Christian faith. That he reads a lot, and he thinks a lot, and he searches a lot. 
and he converses a lot. Perhaps he will someday see this picture of maternal love, of parental love, of human love that he found in a Rubbermaid tub in his mother's basement as a force so powerful that it leads him to see that such love is rooted in and bears witness to the love of God for each of us, the love of God for Daniel. Perhaps that realization will lead him to the faith that has surrounded him all his life and has been passed down generation to generation through his family. Perhaps the love he knows in relationships on earth will point him to that divine love that originates in heaven. Three things, says Ben Sarah, three things are beautiful in the sight of God and mortals. The beauty of human relationships can point us to the love of God. A second place that we find beauty is in the midst of suffering and sacrifice. The Gospel of Mark from which we read is 16 chapters long. It's the shortest gospel. You could read it in one sitting this afternoon. It has no birth narrative. There's no Christmas story, no manger or angels or wise men or Joseph or any, you know. No, there's Joseph, but not, uh, no, no uh, innkeeper. It opens with Jesus being baptized, tempted, and then beginning his adult ministry of preaching and teaching and casting out demons. The action in Mark moves quickly. Jesus is always in a hurry. One of Mark's favorite words is immediately, and he uses it over and over. Yet after 12 chapters of this fast-moving action covering three years of Jesus' life and ministry, Mark suddenly slows his narrative down and takes four chapters for the last week of Jesus' life, what we call the Passion Narrative, the Garden of Gethsemane, the arrest, the betrayal, the abandonment by disciples, the trial, the crucifixion. One scholar has even characterized Mark as a passion narrative with a gospel appended to it. Yet it is precisely within the suffering and the sacrifice of Christ which Mark so emphasizes. It's precisely within this context of suffering and sacrifice that Mark points to this act of beauty the woman in our passage did. A woman came with an alabaster flask of ointment of pure nard and she broke the flask and she anointed Jesus' head. While his disciples call out in criticism of the woman with an appropriate concern for ethics, an appropriate concern for the poor, an urgency to feed and clothe the needy, Jesus is willing to pause, to pause on the immediacy and urgency of their concern for a moment 
a moment of beauty. She has done a beautiful thing to me. Sometimes even the strongest ethics that grow out of our faith need to pause for beauty because within our faith it is the beauty that gives rise to the ethics. A third place that we find beauty is in the very heart of the Christian faith itself. Dare I say, even in one of its boring words, doctrine. The anthem that has just been sung is entitled Easter. You've heard the words. I got me flowers to straw thy way. I got me bows off many a tree. But thou wast up by the break of day and brought thy sweets along with thee. The sun arising in the east, though he give light, and though the east give perfume, if they should offer to contest with thy arising, they presume. Can there be any day but this, though many suns to shine endeavor? We count but three hundred But we miss, there is but one day, and that one ever. This poem is set on Easter morning. In each stanza, the poet proudly proclaims a discovery of beauty in nature, flowers, sunshine, bows, perfume, only to to find that the discovery is exceeded by the beauty of the resurrection of Christ. The beauty of flowers and bows is exceeded by the beauty of the sweets the risen Christ has brought. The sun arising in the east, the light it gives, the perfume it brings, cannot presume to contest with the beauty of Christ's arising. And in the final stanza, the most beautiful of all our days cannot match the beauty of Easter, the day of resurrection, the day that brings all other days light, illuminates them, and we dare say makes them possible. That boring word doctrine, the doctrine of the resurrection, is about the beautiful reality. Resurrection. My friends, I need not remind you that we live in some of the ugliest times, at least verbally and visually, in memory. The quality of our public discourse has come to express and incite the worst of our anger, our hatred, our bigotry, our fear, and our scapegoating. The technology we use to send a newly found picture of a mother and her child can at the same time distribute our most unfiltered thoughts 
within seconds of their conception in our minds, leaving them as impossible to retrieve as what we did in those old children's sermons when you'd have the children gathered up here and you'd spread a towel out and you'd take a big fresh tube of toothpaste and you would squeeze it on the towel and the kids would see fun in that and they would think that was cool and then you would ask them to put the toothpaste back in the tube. And they got it. And our willingness, both corporate and individual, to merge our economic and our personal freedom with our technological capacities to put on display the most private moments of human grief, of suffering, of panic, of fear, of physical pain, of injury, of anger, of danger, of family fights, of lovers' quarrels, the tears and clumsiness of children, the suffering of animals, as well as natural functions of our bodies. Our willingness to display these, whether they are sexual in nature or not, are pornographic because they display for human viewing and hearing those things which are only intended for the most intimate relationships or for our deepest privacy. That's how our times have become ugly. But ugliness will not prevail. Three things, three things are beautiful in the sight of God and of mortals. Agreement among brothers and sisters. Friendship. Friendship among neighbors. And a wife and a husband who live in harmony. She has done a beautiful thing to me. Can there be any day but this day? In the divine mystery and doctrine to which we have given the human name resurrection, beauty prevails and it will prevail. Amen.